0: So in another month or so, you might be hearing this a little bit more. Probably done a little bit better, but you might be hearing this. It goes like this. uh, Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. The Noel is just a word for Christmas or birthday in French. And so Noel We want to think about that because when we think about that, we think of the king, born is the king of Israel. We want those thoughts to be first and foremost as our mind. I I know some of you have been to Walmart and other places where you're already seeing all the things to buy for Christmas. But I want you to think about that next line, Noel, 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 born is the king of Israel. What kind of king and what does his kingdom look like? And that's what I want us to think about today. What does that kingdom look like? Well, first, could you hit the next slide? First, with Noel, we think of the celebration of who God is. God loves us so much that he entered into our lives. He took on flesh. He didn't just deal with us in our situation from afar. Jesus came in to get his hands dirty in our lives. And so what we do when we remember Noel and rejoice in the king who's come, we rejoice in the king who came to be what kind of king? A savior king. Remember what it says? In Matthew chapter 1, that, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so we call him Jesus because he's coming as a savior. And we delight in him and we keep our eyes focused on him. The next one. But, you know, sometimes what happens is we try and do life without God. If you look at, there's different names for God in the Old Testament. And one is El. And so how easy is it for us, instead of doing the singing and rejoicing and the the God who's going to come and going to change everything and establish his kingdom and rule and reign in our lives, well, I just assume God not be here. Can I just take care of it myself? And you know what that does is that leads to the very first verse in our gospel reading for today. Let me read that verse while Roberta puts up that next part. So how do you read all three of these? You read it, Noel, Noel, Noel. Huh. Well, what's, you remember now with me, right, that this is the L? The loser slash, better translation, Lutheran slash trusting God, loving my neighbor, right? But look at, if you would, if you would at, at the gospel lesson, Luke 18, verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You know, when we trust in ourselves that we're righteous, you know what we're not trusting? Okay, and you know, when I stop trusting God, that sometimes my loving others, especially if they're not very love-worthy Again, it's easy to love people that are easy to love, right? Cute little babies. It's kind of like puppies, right? Everybody loves a pup. Well, some of you cat lovers may not love puppies. I get that, okay? My head elder is not a cat lover, or not a dog lover. Okay, I get that. But most people, when you look at a puppy that's just so cute and you just love them, right? Okay. Children, they're easy to love most of the time until they get to be about 13 or so, somewhere in there. Some people are just really easy to love. Some people are really hard. You know what God always encourages? He says to love everybody, right? Love those who are in need. Care for those that no one else cares for. How will we get the strength and the energy to do that? Even those despised, horrible people like those tax collectors. How many of you, when you hear the three letters, I-R-S, just smile inside. <laughs> they just elicit such wonderful feelings and thoughts of, of happiness and pleasure. And I just love those people. Unless you work there and you work with some of them, you are be like, yeah, I really love some of those folks that work there. But otherwise, those three letters put together may not elicit thoughts and feelings of joy and uprightness. Well, there's a tax collector. And if you think the IRS doesn't bring a lot of good feelings with it, Tax collectors, remember, are those who are Jewish people who've turned against them, their own nation, to serve the Romans. And they would oftentimes take way more than they needed to. And so, you could certainly see how this Pharisee, this one who strives to do everything right, okay, would look down his nose at this tax collector, despising him. Who are those in your life that it's easy for you to look down at and despise? Don't tell me, just think about it. What we need to do is to remember this, and can you go to the next one for us? Because we want to live the L, and we live the L's with eyes focused on Jesus. Eyes back on Jesus, away from I'm righteous on my own because we know we're not. Okay? Instead, we want to think about, about what Jesus did for us. And Would you go to the next one? He brings us to kingdom life. And I think what's so significant is that this Luke 18 is right in the midst of this section that's talking about kingdom life. Luke 17, verse 20 and following, talks about the coming of the kingdom of God. And, And there's some language here. It says in verse 33, Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. And so part of what this kingdom life looks like, this life where Jesus is in charge, the life that we celebrate, what God has done by giving us his son, by becoming involved in our lives, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a life of losing myself to love and serve my neighbor. Live in the L. Then it goes into the beginning of chapter 18 and talks about the parable of the persistent widow. What does this kingdom life look like? Well, it looks like a life of persistence In our prayers. And I want to share something else with you. It gets so difficult, I think, to live this kingdom life when we can't see any further than just the immediate needs in front of us. We need a vision. And for that, I want to read this little story to you. It goes like this. In 1952, a young woman by the name of Florence Chadwick, 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped off the beach at Catalina Island and into the water, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She was already an experienced long-distance swimmer. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly on the day she set out. She could scarcely see the boats that, were, that would accompany her. For 15 hours, she swam. She begged to be taken out, but her trainer urged persistence telling her again and again that she could make it, that the shore was not far away. Physically and emotionally exhausted, she finally just stopped swimming, and she was pulled out. The boats made for the shore, and she discovered it was a mere half mile away. We all would probably say a long half mile away, but for her, a mere half mile away. The next day she gave a news conference. What she said in effect was this. I do not want to make excuses for myself. I am the one who asked to be pulled out. But I think that if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later, she proved her point. On a bright and clear day, she plunged back into the water and swam the distance. He goes on to say this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, at the heart of all our praying must be a biblical vision. That vision embraces who God is, the one that we can trust, what he has done, who we are, where we're going, what we must value and cherish. That vision drives us toward increasing comfort, I'm sorry, conformity with Jesus, towards lives lived in the light of eternity, toward hearing, I'm sorry, toward hearing, Hearty echoing of the church's ongoing cry, even so, come Lord Jesus. That vision must shape our prayers so that the things that most concern us in prayer are those that concern the heart of God. Then we will persevere in our praying until we reach the goal God himself has set for us. A grander vision, a bigger vision. We are called as God's disciples. We are called as those who he has loved and invested to, by his mercy, make us his own. So we might have a new attitude towards everything. It's no longer attitude of, I'll take care of myself, I'll meet these different things, I'll do what needs to be done so that I'm right with God. It's a new attitude that comes out of God's come down to meet us where we are. And he continually comes to meet us where we are so that we are no longer righteous in what we do, but we're righteous in the Son. His mercy matters. And matters then with how we live out our lives, with this grander vision of is, is your life, is my life, is there room and improvement in our persistently praying for those, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there room for improvement? Yes, yes a hearty yes, okay? Is there room and improvement for even praying for our own selves and our own needs? Yes. yes, there's so many times when we try and do it ourselves instead of persistently praying. Is there a need in our lives to show mercy to those around us? Is there a reason for us? Is there a need? Is there a need for growth in our lives to even live in God's mercy towards ourselves? Yes. What if the grander vision was a vision that Jesus sets before us through this story today? He sets a bad example in front of us with the Pharisee. And a good example before us with that tax collector. One in need of mercy... Who humbly receives from God so he can then go about with a changed life. Then it goes on to the next little part where it talks about children being received by God. Again, children are great receivers. Maybe the vision that God has for you is that you will grow in, need, in being a receiver whose life is changed to share. Some of you that are sitting here might be great receivers. Okay? I get and get and get all the time. It's great but you might not be very good at then sharing with those around you. Some of you might not be very good at receiving at all. Just checking, am I missing the boat? You look a little, you look interesting today, if I can just say that. Some of you might not be very good at receiving at all. And God might be trying to say to you, today his mercy calls us. No, well, God's come. God comes to where you are. He continues to come where you are, to meet you right where you are. I love picking on you, Mark, so I'm going to pick on you one more time, okay, kiss because it's so blasted fun, okay? <laughs> if Mark looked at his situation as only life stinks, why doesn't God make this better? Why, do, why don't they call me faster from the hospital? Why don't they deal with this better, okay? That's one way of looking at it, and it's a very difficult way of looking at it. If he looks at it and says, you know what, this is where God has me right now. I wonder how God will use this difficulty in my life for the good of his kingdom and for the growth of his church. I wonder who I can show my faith to through this difficulty right now. In other words, I want to sing Noel and let God be a part of my suffering and struggle right now. Easy to talk about when I'm not suffering. Hard to live, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm so glad you come. I'm so glad you all come so we can be reminded of God's bigger vision. The bigger vision isn't my personal happiness, my personal peace. The bigger vision is God's kingdom. That's why we're here, right? For God's kingdom purposes that we might follow Him and we might urge others to come follow us to live a life bigger than my own personal happiness or peace. You see, the tax collector or the Pharisee was all about, look at me, look how great I am. I can't believe you can't be as good as me. Who wants to follow that? But the tax collector is focused on God and the mercy that God extends. How do we do really, really, really super hard things? I have another story for you. Shock of all shocks. (laughs) Watchman Ni, the Chinese evangelist, tells of a Christian he once knew in China. He was a poor rice farmer, and his fields lay high on a mountain. Every day he pumped water into the patties of of his rice, and every morning he returned to find that a neighbor who lived down the hill had opened the dikes surrounding the Christian's field to let the water fill his own. For a while, the Christian ignored the injustice. But at last he became desperate. He met and prayed with other Christians, persistent prayer, and came up with the solution. The next day, the Christian farmer rose early in the morning and first filled his neighbor's fields. Then he attended to his own. Watchman Nee tells how the story, the neighbor subsequently became a Christian, his unbelief overcome by genuine demonstration of Christian humility, And Christ like character. Isn't that a great story? That's kingdom life. That's kingdom living. That's the bigger vision. Vision bigger than, hey, look what's happening to me. Look at that awful thing that that guy is doing. He needs to get what's coming to him. I got my rights, he's doing wrong or I can step back for a second and see, I wonder what God's doing here, and I wonder what I can do to impact those around me, and then dive into loving and serving that other person. Do you know, as I give this message to you and I think about my own life this way, I fail miserably. I fail miserably at this. I can't even even handle it when my dog doesn't do what I think he's supposed to do. (laughs) So what do we do now? If you're anything like your pastor, which I hope you're not in so many ways, but if you're anything like I am and you've failed miserably at this, what do we do? Do you remember what was on the screen right before Kingdom Life? Noel, 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 Noel. That's what we need. We need a king who comes. What kind of a king? A savior king, a king who comes to show us great mercy and to change our lives that we might then go about kingdom living. Amen.